Welcome back to Shnai Mikra, the OU podcast series on Parshat HaShavua. This is Menachem Liptag, and in today's year we continue our study of Parshat Masay with Sheni, the second Aliyah, beginning with Perak Lamed Gimel, chapter 33, Pasukid Aleph, verse 11. We continue our listing of all the places that Bnei Israel traveled from and arrived at. The last place we were at in yesterday's Aliyah was at Yamsuf, but this was after we crossed Yamsuf, and it had several stops on the way. We passed already Elim, where there was lots of water, and lots of palm trees. Now we travel by Yisumi Yamsuf, by Yachnubi Midbarsin. We travel from Yamsuf and arrive at Midbarsin. Now Midbarsin, recall, it's mentioned in Sefer Shmot. That's the place where when they encamped, they ran out of food. It was on the 15th day of Iyar, a month after they left Egypt. They complained to God. God gave them the manna, and that supplied them with food from that time on during the 40 years in the desert. By Yisumi Midbarsin, by Yachnubi Dovka, from Midbarsin, they traveled to Dovka. That site is not mentioned in Chumash. And as we're going to see throughout today's Aliyah, there are many sites mentioned in this listing of campsites that we never saw before in Sefer Shmot Vayikra Arba Midbar. The reason, as we suggested, is that even though Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down all the events that happened in all these different places, Chumash only records selective events that are necessary for the theme of each of its books. However, many other events must have taken place, and they were written, but we don't have a record of what was recorded. We only have the events that Chumash recorded. On the flip side, here in Parshat Masay, we have a list of all the places that they traveled to and from, but we don't have the details of what happened in each place. We will find scant details of certain events that happened in each place, and soon we're going to suggest a theory of why there are certain events mentioned in relation to these places, even though, again, in general, we only have the names of places and not events. Let's continue now with Pasuk Yudbet. They traveled from Midbar Sin and they arrived in Dovka. They traveled from Dovka to Alush, from Alush to Rafidim, and in Rafidim there was no water for the people to drink. Now this goes against what we said before, that we're only mentioning campsites and we're not discussing events. Why is it that the event that there was no water in Rifidim, why is it recorded in the list of their journeys? If you recall from Sefer Shmot, in Rifidim they ran out of water, but when they ran out of water, God told Moshe to go to the rock in Chorev, hit the rock in Chorev, and water will come out from Chorev, and that will solve the water problem. But because the water came out of the rock in Chorev, the people in Rifidim had to travel from Rifidim to Har Sinai. So it could be that the reason why we have the story of running out of water in the list of travel spots is because that event affected the travel. In other words, we don't talk about the events that happen in each place unless there's a certain event that relates to the reason for the traveling. And because hitting the water in Har Sinai and not having water in Rufidim was the reason why they traveled from Rufidim to Har Sinai, it could be why that event is mentioned. In a similar manner we mentioned beforehand that there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees in Elim. That explains why they stayed there for such a long time. The very first event mentioned in the beginning of these travels was the story of coming out of Egypt. That, of course, has to be mentioned because that's the reason why they began to travel, when Paul sent them out after the plague of the firstborn. So it makes sense that that event is mentioned. Therefore, it could be that the only times that we mention specific events is when they relate to the reason for either staying somewhere or traveling from place to place. Let's continue now with Pasuk Tetvav. They travel from Rifidim and they encamp in Midbar Sinai. 
Notice not a mention of what happened at Har Sinai. If this was telling the events, mention Matan Torah, mention what happened when they left Har Sinai, a whole year passes by, all the key events of Chumash, and not a word about what happened, because again, this is simply a list of where they went to and where they traveled from and arrived at. Kivrat was a place where the people complained that they were sick of the man. Moshe became very upset because the people had a taiva for a taiva. The man was not good enough for them. At that point, he wanted to quit. And that's when God started delegating Moshe Rabbeinu's leadership to the 70 elders. And that became a major topic in Sefer Bamidbar, how the leadership of Moshe and of Aaron as well was not compatible for that generation. And little by little, we start developing leadership to the leaders of the 12 tribes and to the 70 elders, people like Yeshua and Kalev and later Pinchas, all take leadership in the vacuum created by Moshe and Aaron. Pasuk Yudzain, verse 17. Another place mentioned earlier in Chumash. From Kivrot Tava, they arrive in Chatserot, as we saw in Parshat Balotcha. They left Chatserot and they arrived in Ritma. According to Rashi, that's where they sent the Rachlin from, from Kadesh Barnea, even though there's a wide range of opinions in regard to that. Because recall, it's an 11-day journey from Har Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. So therefore, there's many other opinions which spot would be Kadesh Barnea, where they sent the Rachlin from. What's interesting is Kadesh Barnea itself is not mentioned in this list. Now we're going to have a lot of places we never saw before. Pasuk Yutet. Vaisu mi ritma vechanu berimon paretz. Vaisu mi rimon paretz vechanu belivna. Vaisu mi livna vechanu berisa. Vaisu mi risa vechanu bekeilata. It could be keilata, might also be the place of Kadesh Barnea where they sent the Raglin from, because the whole nation gathered together at that place and complained to Moshe. That may be that may be another possibility of where the event of the Raglin took place. Pasuk of Gimel. Vaisu mi keilata vechanu bahar shafer. Vaisu mi har shafer vechanu. Again, notice, these are all names of places that we are not familiar with at all in Chumash. And the list continues in Pasuk Chavtet. If you look in that Mikra, you'll find several suggestions that try to identify where some of these places are based on archaeological evidence or names of areas in the Sinai Desert and the Negev and in Jordan that are similar to these names. But as that Mikra notes, most of these suggestions are simply conjecture and it's hard to prove any of them. We continue now with Pasek Lamed Bet. We finally have a site which was mentioned earlier in Chumash, Etzion Gaver. According to almost all opinions, Etzion Gaver is the area of Eilat. There's a lot of support for that theory. So here we find the most southern point of Bnei Israel's travel as they wander through the desert. You might have noticed the city Otvata two stops before Etzion Gaver. In modern-day Israel, there's a rest stop on the road down to Eilat, not too far from Eilat, called Yotvata, named because of this pasuk and its proximity to Etzion Gaver. That site, most likely, is not the site of Yotvata in the time of Chumash. That's simply conjecture, but it's very interesting and very cute that they choose the name from a site mentioned in Masay to name a rest stop for people traveling in modern-day Israel down to Eilat.
Why are they traveling so far as Yitzhon Gaver? Why did Bnei Yisrael wander all the way down towards Eilat? That's because after the sin of the spies, God told Moshe Rabbeinu, He tells Moshe, take the nation, because you're not going to enter Israel now. Go to the south, towards the direction of the Red Sea. Since Yitzhon Gaver is on the banks of the Red Sea, it makes sense that this is the fulfillment of what God told Moshe Rabbeinu after the sin of the spies to travel away from the land of Israel, away from any possible war or attack, especially after the defeat of the Mapilim. So therefore they travel all the way down to Etzion Gavar. However, after Etzion Gavar, they return towards the north, as we see now in Pasuk Lamed Vav. They travel from Etzion Gavar near Elat, and they travel north now to Midbar Tzin, to the wilderness of Sin, which is Kadesh. Kadesh we know from the story of Moshe and the rock. That's Kadesh Midbar Tzin. It's called Kadesh because of the events that happened with Moshe and the rock. That's where Moshe and Aaron received their punishment, that they would not leave B'nai Israel into the land. Where is Midbar Tzin? Almost for sure Midbar Tzin is a site of Nachal Tzin today. There's a very wide valley that goes from the area of stable care in the middle of the Negev, and goes towards the east all the way to the Arava, which is the lowest point in the Negev, because that's part of the Syro-African Rift. That valley has a lot of water, as the site of Einovdat today, which is right near Stable Care. If you've ever been to Ben-Gurion's burial site, there's a massive valley between Stable Care and Einovdat. Einovdat is a very big water source. And that water flows through Nachaltzin, and there's many other sources of water in Nachaltzin. And that explains why B'nai Israel encamped there, because it's a source of water. Of course, in the story in the 40th year, when Moshe Rabbeinu hits the rock, they run out of water. That's after the death of Miriam. But it makes sense that that's where B'nai Israel were encamped for a long time. In fact, according to Chazal, in the Pasuk in the beginning of chapter 2, in Sefer Tavarim, in Moshe's speech, where he says, Chazal understand that they encamped in Kadesh Midbartzin for some 19 years, or most of the time in the desert, was in the site Kadesh Midbartzin. But now it's the 40th year, because in the next Pasuk, we'll have the story of the death of Aharon. Again, we'll have our question, why do we have an event if this is simply a list of sites? We'll try to explain as we read the next several Pasukim. Pasuk Lamed Zayn. Vayisumi Kadesh, they left Kadesh, Vayachanu Bohorahar Bikseh Eretz Adom, and they set up camp in Horahar, which is a high mountain, in a high mountain range, at the edge of Eretz Adom. Now, it didn't say what edge of Eretz Adom. Adom is a big land. And the edge of Eretz Adom can be in a lot of directions. We're going to suggest that we're talking about the border with Adom in the Negev, or again, a little south of the Dead Sea. And the proof will be from the next several psukim. What happens at Horahar? Pasak Lamed Chet. Aaron, the high priest, goes up to Horahar as God had commanded him, and there he died. In the 40th year, from when Bnei Yisrael left Egypt, in the fifth month, on the first day, this is the only time we have a yurt site mentioned in the entire Chumash. Here we have the date that Aaron HaKohen died, a very big schut for Aaron. Aaron was 123 years old when he died, just like he was 83 when Moshe was 80, when they left Egypt, as we saw in Shemot chapter 6. Now he dies in the 40th year at the age of 123. Pay attention now to what happens next in the story. We have a quick quote, which we saw already earlier in Sefer Bamidbar, that the Knani, 
led by the king of Arad, who is living in the area of the Negev, in the northern Negev, which is a little bit north of Midbar Tzin, heard that Bnei Israel was traveling in this area when they went to bury Aaron. This caused the king of Arad to think that Bnei Israel were threatening an attack from Midbar Tzin towards the Negev, towards Arad, and therefore he comes to engage them in battle. Now we know from modern day archaeology, there's a very large site called Tel Arad with a massive Canaanite city. So we know the site of Arad and we know the area. Therefore it makes a lot of sense that Horahar, where Bnei Israel traveled to, is near Midbartzin, which again is in the area of the eastern side of the Negev, about 50 kilometers or so south of Arad, by what's called the small crater, the Makhdesha Katan. And hence it makes sense that Horahar, of where Aaron's buried, is somewhere in the Negev, not too far from Nachaltzin of modern day Israel. Again, why do we mention King of Arad hearing where we were? That will affect our travel plans because they engage us in battle that causes a change in travel plans. Also, that's why we mentioned the death of Aaron, because in order to bury Aaron, the entire camp has to travel eight extra journeys. That's the way Chazal understand the Psukim in chapter 10 in Bamidbar, where we mention again the death of Aaron and all the different travels on the way to bury him. So this would again fit our theory that the short little mention of events that we do have in this list of travels all relates to the reason why they travel from place to place. Let's see these spots where they travel to in Pasuk Mem Aleph. Now we finish traveling. After burying Aaron in the Negev, we have to cross now the Arava and go to the other side because we need to get to Arvot Moab. The new plan will be to enter the land of Israel opposite Yericho. That seems to be a more logical place from a military point of view to begin the conquest of the land. Coming in from the Negev led to a disaster last time with the Mapilim. The new plan that God gives B'nai Israel is to enter from Yericho first. How are we going to get to Yericho? If we're on the southern area of the Negev, below the Dead Sea, we need to travel around the Dead Sea, through the land of Edom and the area of Moab and Ammon. The problem is, as we saw in Sefer Bamidbar earlier, the king of Moab and the king of Edom did not let us pass through their land. Therefore, we had to take a bypass route, go back and cross the Arava, and go around the land of Edom and Moab. Therefore, we had to take a bypass route and circumvent all those countries because they did not let us pass through. And now we finally end up in a place called Iehavarim Begvul Moab, where the border of Moab, and a crossing place called Iehavarim, which probably relates to some major crossing point by some major valley on the border of Moab, could be Nachal Zared, or it could be Nachal Arnon. And finally now, they reach the famous site of Nevo, where Moshe Rabbeinu is going to die. From the area in front of Nevo, where later Moshe will die, they travel from Harei Avarim, and they encamp in Arvot Moab, which is opposite the Jordan River. They set up camp near the Jordan River in a place called Beit HaShimot Ad Eve HaShitim up until the area of Eve HaShitim Varvot Moab in the plains of Moab. Recall we have a camp of some 2 million people. The area would take several square kilometers to set up camp. The size of the camp that was set up now in the plains of Moab expanded from Beit HaShimot till Eve HaShitim most likely opposite the area of Yericho today, 
on the other side, on the eastern bank of the Jordan River. Arrival in Arvot Moav marks the end of these 42 travel sites and also the end of Sheni, the second Aliyah. Tomorrow's Aliyah will continue this topic with the commandment to conquer the land of Israel as they prepare now in Arvot Moav to cross the Jordan and begin the conquest.